Welcome to the podcast for First Presbyterian Church of Arlington Heights. These are the audio versions of the sermons preached each Sunday. I hope you enjoy. Our first scripture reading this morning comes from 1 Samuel chapter 1, verses 3 through 18. Now this man used to go up year by year from his town to worship and to sacrifice to the Lord of hosts at Shiloh, where the two sons of Eli, Hophni, and Phinehas were priests of the Lord. On the day when Elkanah sacrificed, he would give portions to his wife Penina and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he gave a double portion because he loved her, though the Lord had closed her womb. Her rival used to provoke her severely, to irritate her, because the Lord had closed her womb. So it went on year by year. As often as she went up to the house of the Lord, she used to provoke her. Therefore, Hannah wept and would not eat. Her husband, Elkanah, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? Why do you not eat? Why is your heart sad? Am I not more to you than ten sons? After they had eaten and drunk at Shiloh, Hannah rose and presented herself before the Lord. Now Eli the priest was sitting on the seat beside the doorpost of the temple of the Lord. She was deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. She made this vow, O Lord of hosts, if only you will look on the misery of your servant and remember me and not forget your servant, but will give to your servant a male child, then I will set him before you as a Nazarite until the day of his death. He shall drink neither wine nor intoxicants, and no razor shall touch his head. As she continued praying before the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying silently. Only her lips moved, and her voice was not heard. Therefore Eli thought she was drunk. So Eli said to her, How long will you make a drunken spectacle of yourself? Put away your wine. But Hannah answered, No, my Lord, I am a woman deeply troubled. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I have been pouring out my soul before the Lord. Do not regard your servant as a worthless woman, for I have been speaking out of my great anxiety and vexation all this time. Then Eli answered, Go in peace. The God of Israel grant the petition you have made to him. And she said, Let your servant find favor in your sight. Then the woman went to her quarters, ate and drank with her husband, and her countenance was sad no longer. The word of the Lord. So you may have noticed something a little suspicious up here today. The absence of the men, the presence of the women. They have left town. (laughs) And they have left the women in charge, as it should be. So our second reading today comes from 1 Samuel, the third chapter, verses 1 through 10. Now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord under Eli. The word of the Lord was rare in those days. Visions were not widespread. At that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his room. The lamp of God had not yet gone out. And Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord, where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called, Samuel, Samuel. And he said, Here I am, and ran to Eli 
and said, Here I am, for you called me. But Eli said, I did not call you. Lie down again. So he went and lay down. And the Lord called again, Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But Eli said, I did not call my son. Lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. The Lord called Samuel again a third time, and he got up and he went to Eli and he said, Here I am, for you called me. And then Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go, lie down. And if he calls you, you shall say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Now the Lord came and stood there, calling as before, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, Speak, for your servant is listening. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. A couple of weeks ago, there was uh, quite an internet sensation over a simple word. Maybe some of you remember this. The word was laurel. But, ironically, some people heard yanny when the word was laurel. Let's see, can we, can we do it, guys? Laurel. Oh, you laurel. You might not hear it. It's a little soft. Laurel. 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 Age need to remember that high school students no longer pull Webster's Collegiate Dictionary off their shelves to look up a word. Instead, they download an app, short for application, on their phone or their iPad or their computer, and they look up the word through that app. Indeed, this young high school student was using the app vocabulary.com. She was quite surprised when she heard the word yanny, and yet the word she had looked up was laurel. So this four-second clip was played over and over again in the 24-hour news cycle. I hear Yanny, just for the record. My husband hears Laurel. We began to take a survey of some of our friends and family members, and it doesn't seem to matter whether you are young or old or male or female. That doesn't seem, or that doesn't seem to have a bearing on how you hear the word. It turns out that those who hear better in higher frequencies may be more likely to hear the word yanny, whereas those who hear better in lower frequencies may be more inclined to hear the word laurel. The fact that we hear what seems to be two entirely different words is being called now an audio illusion, much like an optical illusion. And the simplest, and to make things even more complicated in this whole debate, it often depends on the type of device 
to which you are listening as to how you will hear the word. Now, I have heard Yanny on every device I've listened to, but I know people who have manipulated the bass and done some other things so that what they maybe first heard the second time they hear it differently. One linguist, though, made an interesting observation. She suggested that perhaps part of the issue was we hear what we expect to hear. We hear what we expect to hear. The word of the Lord was rare in those days. Visions were not widespread. When Samuel hears a voice calling him in the night, he assumes that it's the old priest Eli because, after all, the word of the Lord is rare and who else would be calling him in the night except Eli? And he is responsible for Eli's care. The call comes not one, not two, but three times. And each time Samuel drags himself up and goes running to the priest and says, Here I am. What can I get for you? What do you need? And every time Eli, who must be thinking, Why does this kid keep interrupting my sleep? Says, I didn't call you. Go back. Go back to sleep. Now, I would venture to guess that most of us in this room have had a voice at one time or another calling us in the night. We wake up with a start. We practically hold our breath, listening for the second call, making sure, and then we hear it. Mommy, I had a bad dream. Daddy, the thunder is scaring me. Mom, my stomach hurts. Sometimes the voice calling to us at night may be a spouse or a friend. Sometimes it comes through the phone rather than through the house. But seldom is a voice calling us in the night going to bring us any good news. And I would say, as a general rule, none of us are expecting to hear the voice of God calling us in the night. Neither Eli nor Samuel are expecting the voice of God either. After all, as we have already heard, it's rare in these days. This particular story of Samuel comes at a huge turning point in the life of Israel. Eli's sons have been behaving very, very badly. And although Eli has tried to discipline them, they have persisted in their wicked ways. Consequently, God is angry with the house of Eli and, in fact, again, angry with all of Israel. Judges had been leading the people of Israel, but this no longer seems to be working out the way God had hoped. So God is getting ready to transition leadership to kings and Samuel is to be his prophet, and that is where we find ourselves this morning. Although Eli understands that he and his family have failed God and that soon his priestly duties will be finished, he is still not prepared for the voice of the Lord to come to Samuel. Samuel is only 10 years old. It takes three times 
before Eli finally gets the bigger picture and realizes that Samuel is indeed hearing a voice calling him in the night, but it is not Eli's voice. It is indeed the Lord. And so Eli gives Samuel instructions. Go back, lie down, and when you hear the voice again, respond like this. Speak, Lord, for thy servant listens. Now we know that God's voice was rare in these days, so we may be wondering, why would God be calling on a 10-year-old boy? So it helps to go back a few chapters to the first chapter of Samuel that Katie read for us this morning and to learn about a woman named Hannah. Hannah is Samuel's mother. We all knew that, right? That Hannah is Samuel's mother, of course. So... Elkanah is the husband, and he has two wives, Panina and Hannah. And Panina has lots of children, and Hannah doesn't have any children yet. It's a very familiar story in the Old Testament. And each year it was customary for the whole family to go to Shiloh to give a sacrifice to God. And at this celebration, this ritual, this tradition, Panina never failed to get in Hannah's face and make her feel really badly about the fact that she had no children. Hannah can hardly stand it. In fact, we find her in 1 Samuel chapter 1 at her breaking point. After the meal, she has gone to the Lord. She's gone away by herself, and she is weeping and wailing and making her request known to God. She is literally begging God to give her a son, and she is willing to promise God anything for that son. In fact, very surprisingly to me as a mother, She is actually willing to promise that son back to God if God will just give her the son. So that year she makes this vow to God. Eli, the priest, is also involved. He overhears. He offers her a blessing. She returns back to the tent. She's no longer sad. And in fact... Scripture tells us that in due time, the Lord remembered Hannah. Hannah bore a son and named him Samuel. She remembered her vow to the Lord, and she brought Samuel to the priest as soon as he was weaned. In those days, that would have been around three or four years old. Samuel, now ten, has been living In the temple, we presume, living with Eli the priest, who has been teaching him all along, who has been preparing him for for duties, uh, service to the Lord. Eli doesn't necessarily know the form that that service will take, but he believes that God is going to use this little boy. God does call Samuel a fourth time. And Samuel replies exactly as Eli told him to reply. Speak, Lord, for thy servant is listening. And with that response, Samuel's whole life is changed. Eli's life is changed. 
In fact, the whole trajectory for all of Israel is changed in the moment that Samuel responds to God. God calls Samuel tenderly, like you might try to wake up a sleeping child. I would always go in and rub their arm, call their name, tell them it was time to wake up. Samuel, Samuel. And he calls him persistently. Not one or two times, but he calls him four times. And I firmly believe that if it had taken Eli and Samuel longer to figure out what was going on, the Lord would have called Samuel five, six, seven times, whatever it took. Whatever it took to get Samuel to respond. God calls the least and the least likely. Samuel is 10, 10 years old, and God calls him. God appoints him as a prophet over Israel. And in fact, I encourage you to read the rest of that chapter because God actually gives Samuel some really hard news to deliver to Eli. I mean, his job is tough from the get-go. God doesn't say, that I'm going to wait till Samuel's 21 and able to handle a man's responsibility. God calls Samuel when God needs Samuel. And he begins to prepare Samuel and guide Samuel for lifelong work. I wonder when you heard the first time. When was the first time you heard the call of God in your life? How old were you? Were you five? Were you 15? Were you 25? Were you 65? And again, I want to be clear here. I don't know if words actually came to Samuel, but he did indeed hear a voice, the voice of the Lord. God doesn't care about age either. I mean, he calls, a Sam, he calls Samuel at age 10. He uses Abraham and Sarah when they're well up into their 80s and 90s. God doesn't view gender or age or religion or socioeconomic status as a hindrance to God's call on our lives. The word in Latin is invocar. And it quite literally means to call into. To call into. We are called into the presence of God, and God sends us out into the world to work and serve on God's behalf. As for the question of when we are first called, if some of you were having a hard time coming up with an answer, I will tell you that the first time you're called is in your baptism. That's right. That's what baptism is really all about. It's not just something social that people who go to church want to have done for their children. I want to get my kid baptized. No. Jackson and James and Sawyer's parents are choosing, chose to respond to God's call to them and to their children by having their children baptized, and not just anywhere, but in this particular community of faith. 
Baptism in the Presbyterian Church is a visible sign of God's invisible grace in our lives. God already reached out and touched those boys. God already claimed them as his beloved children. But now, in baptism, we publicly recognize that claim. And so when a parent or parents bring their child for baptism, it is a significant act, and it is, I would suggest, a sacrificial act. Just as Hannah offered her son to God for all of his days, Amy and Graham are offering their children to God. They are saying publicly that we know these boys are beloved children of God, and we want God to be part of their lives. And we, as a community that witnessed that act of baptism, we're saying, yes, we know that God has claimed those boys, And we are going to mentor them and love them and provide Sunday school and vacation Bible school for them. And I wasn't kidding when I walked them down the aisle. Katie still needs vacation Bible school teachers. She'll be waiting for you after worship. (laughs) We have made these promises to nurture them in the love of God and in the life of a community, a community of faith. It is that old priest, Eli, whose eyesight is growing dim. I can't wait to tell Alex this part. Who is the mentor for the young boy, Samuel. And it is only with Eli's help that Samuel can hear the Lord. Samuel is already part of a worshiping community. His mother has made sure of that. Samuel is being mentored by a priest, and it is these things that provide the environment that is conducive for Samuel to be able to say, Speak, Lord, thy servant is listening. Samuel is able to answer God's call obediently and without fear because he is surrounded by community. And because the love of God is already planted in his heart. In the act of of baptism, we are recognizing the claim that God has on our lives. God comes toward us and invites us into the divine presence so that God can use us for God's purposes. God comes towards us. If you are spending a lot of time wondering where God is or how to find God, I encourage you to talk with one of the pastors of the church. Because it isn't our job, our work, your work, to find God. God has already found you. What we're doing is listening for the voice, hearing the call so that we can live into all that God desires for us. Regardless of how old we are when we are baptized or how young we are, it is the waters of baptism that publicly recognize that we are beloved children of God. Baptism 
the recognition of God's claim on our lives can never be taken away from us. Hear that again. Our baptism can never be taken away from us. We might walk away for a while. We might take a different direction. We might think we're not worthy. We might wonder if God really does need us. But the answer's right there in our baptism. And it is never, ever taken from us. In fact, it is a claim on our lives that will only grow deeper as our spiritual lives grow deeper, as our participation in community grows deeper, and as we develop relationships with others who will help us hear and respond to God's call. There are plenty of interesting examples of people responding to God's call in the Bible, and I offer them to you briefly just because I think they've covered all the excuses. So Jonah runs away. Moses says, "Uh, no, Lord, not me, I stutter. Jesus, in a weak moment in the Garden of Gethsemane, says, Lord, take this cup from me, please. And Mary says, how can this be? And yet Jonah returns to Nineveh, and Moses leads the people out of Egypt, And Jesus accepts his work on the cross, and Mary bears God's son for us. It wasn't easy to hear God's call, and it wasn't easy to say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. But they did it. And we have done it, and we continue to do it, and we will do it. Because that is what it means to follow the way of Jesus, to live in a community of faith, and to desire to bring justice and hope to God's world. God is calling to every single one of us today. God is calling us with tenderness and urgency. God is calling us relentlessly and compassionately. The only question is, do we hear it? Do we hear God's call? And when we hear it, how will we respond? Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. Amen. Thanks for listening. And if you want to learn more about First Presbyterian Church of Arlington Heights, please visit www.firstpresah.org for more information on service times, directions, and to learn more about the First Pres family of faith.